is a thing that we do to deflect our fear and our, uh, un, you know, our fear of being in front of people, our fear of doing things that we're as out of our comfort zone. And I'm telling you right now, I've never had uh, any intention of ever speaking in public about my faith, much less in front of a church of followers of Jesus Christ. So, uh, you know, I've been singing here for, what is it, about a year and a half now? Um, and I still get fearful up here just singing in front of you, but you guys are my church family. You're my second church family. You know, I have my own church, but this is my church family. And um, it's still fearful for me to get up here and sing in front of you. But right now, it's like that kid on the blackboard, you know, that write, writing as a kid. And my daughter on the way here, so she said, you guys had blackboards when you were around? <laughs> I said, yeah. Matter of fact, we had uh, our computers were computer rooms that were probably the size and a half of your classroom, you know, back, th- back in those days. So uh, anyway, what I've been doing here in the, in the last six months or so, I joined this group called Rise and Grind, hashtag Rise and Grind. It's a Facebook group that um, was started by my sons. You met him, Sterling. He's been here a couple times. His uh, general manager of an automotive dealership in Paris, Kentucky. He started this group back in January of 2018 of, uh, about positive and uh, uh, post and about positive things on Facebook because there's so much you know, garbage you see on Facebook. So I joined this group, and I, I began to get more involved in it. Well, um, as, I, as I joined the group, there was a challenge to me uh, to actually get out there and do a live Facebook post. You're talking about scary. I mean, being in front of you guys is scary, but getting on a screen that you don't know who's on the other end watching you and what their reaction is on that, on that post. So I started doing these uh, Facebook live posts back in November. I always loved to sing, and I thought, you know what? What a great opportunity to uh, preach about the Lord on this Rise and Grind group, which is about 36,000 people. And a matter of fact, out of that 36,000 people I posted last night that I was going to uh, give a sermon today. And I had over 150 people saying they would be praying for me, even giving me their phone numbers from California all the way to New York, sending me their phone numbers and said, if you need us to pray with you, give me a call, I'll pray with you before your sermon. So, I mean, that's how positive this group is to me. So, I've been doing this live Facebook uh, inspiration night on Sunday nights at 8 o'clock, and uh, I've been doing it for about two months now. Anyway, with all that said, um, my faith has expanded so much that sometimes when you look at things in a normal situation, your mind's filled with so much stuff in the world that uh, you don't actually appreciate some of the simple things in life. So I've been having these uh, God-wink moments in life. If you could switch the slide here. I took this picture uh, about a week ago. It's not that great of a picture. It was actually taken when I shouldn't be driving, if any of you uh, are going to give me a ticket after the fact. So I took this picture on the way to get my wife's uh, uh, Christmas present on the way to Centerville, but the whole thing about the picture is there's, there's not much there. I don't know what you guys see. But on that day, here's what I saw. I saw a chance for a prayer for people out on Facebook. I post this picture and I put above the caption, May the road you travel today have the stillness just before dawn. May God's light shine in your hearts. Simple picture, simple message. 
To me, that's a God wink moment. And you guys are probably, I don't know if you've ever heard the word God wink moment. To me, you know, if you all wink, I don't know if some of you have to wink with both eyes like me. But God wink moments are when God is giving you some type of picture or something in your life where he's letting you know that he's there for you. And um, as I was sitting there at Christmas time, I was watching my little son who'll be two uh, next week, watching him play with his toys and things like that. And, you know, uh, I, I started thinking, you know, all the craziness of Christmas. And trust me, with our house with eight kids, it's pretty crazy. Uh, but I started thinking, you know, sometimes as grown-ups, we forget about what Christmas is really about. So I, I, I started thinking, it's simple. It's a star. It's a manger. It's a couple, and it's a baby. That's what Christmas is about. How much more simpler can get to that? But that's a simple recipe to a family, okay? So I said, enjoy yours with the eyes of a child. Simple but magical. My message today for you guys is from, uh, you can switch that other slide again. I thought this was a good one I shared too. You know, God left the light on for you. So next time you see a moon, that's a God wink moment right there. It ain't, it's not a hotel. When you see a moon... Just know God left the light on for you at night. There's no darkness. All right, in the parable that uh, was just of the prodigal son, I'm sure you guys have heard that that story in the Bible many times. What I I have is uh, what what fear do you have in your life that's keeping you from your full potential? My fear is getting up here and and preaching or speaking to you about the Bible or about anything. But sometimes we've got to overcome those fears and know that God's going to be with us when we're, when we're doing things. And I've got this real-life story about, it kind of applies to the parable, the parable we just spoke in Luke. I mentioned Glenn Lunny, the one that started that Rise and Grind group. Him and his son Joel, who's probably about five, uh, the Sunday right before Christmas, they were out at church, at the church they go to in Kentucky, and... They got held up a little bit at church, so they said, ah, we'll just go, uh, his wife, who just had a baby, left with their other five kids, he has six or seven, something like that. Anyway, he left, they left and went home and left Joel and his dad there at the church, and they were going to drive separate, so they, um, they decided, well, we'll just go get our hair cut. We need a haircut. So they uh, went to try to get the haircut, and they realized it was going to be six o'clock at night before they could even get in. Well, he's like, we're not going to do that. You know, it's crazy out here. So they decided to go to Walmart to buy some groceries for a needy family. Well, they couldn't even find a parking spot at Walmart. You can imagine the Sunday before Christmas, how crazy it is. So they decided, well, let's just go get something to eat. We'll go to the Paris, Kentucky Walmart. It's probably less busy than Lexington, Kentucky. Went in the the, uh, McDonald's line to get something to eat. 30 minutes waiting in line. Then they're like, they get up to that point, point where, you know, the line switch, the two lines, you know what I'm talking about? They busted out in the left-hand line. There's a cone there. So they're out of line, so they'd have to circle back around and get back in line again. And they're like, we're not going to do this. Let's just go home. Or we'll go back to Paris, Kentucky, actually, and get something to eat there because it's probably less busy. As they were trying to get on the interstate, there was an accident or something. Traffic was backed up. So Glenn told his son, he said, let's just go home. We'll do all this stuff tomorrow. And, uh, you know, we'll just call it a day. 
So on their way home, they, they pulled down the back way to go back to where they live, and all of a sudden they hit the light red. And walking across the street, right in front of their car, was a homeless guy. And Glenn started thinking to himself, should we help this guy? You know, I'm sure you guys have been in that situation. You've seen somebody and you're like, all right, they're, they're going to be bad or not. So he just pulled off the side of the road and he asked his son, five-year-old son, he said, did you see the guy out there? He said, yeah, Dad, we should help him. Yeah, but what if, he, what if he's a bad guy? You know, what, what if there's something wrong with him or something that, you know, he's thinking to himself, I don't want to be harmed with my son in the car and things like that. And he said, you know what, you're right. So they got this guy, Austin, and found out where he was going. He was walking from one homeless shelter to the other in Lexington. One was eight miles from where he was at at the time that he came from. He was going seven miles to the one that he needed to go to. By the way, it was pouring down rain that day, last Sunday. It was rainy here, but it was rainy down there, too. So they got the kid in the car, and they were just going to take him to the uh, homeless shelter. Well, Glenn started thinking, you know, it's Christmas and things. I'm going to just get this kid a hotel room. So he said, you know what, Austin, I'm going to just get you a hotel room, and I'll put you up at least till the 27th, and you have to check out then. Then you, have to, you can go back to the homeless shelter. Well, Austin said, you know, I would really prefer, sir, that you just take me to the homeless shelter because at least there I could get something to eat. And he said, you know, you're right. I didn't think about that. Homeless shelter versus a hotel, a nice hotel. He didn't have money. He couldn't eat. So they went back to that Walmart to get groceries. Well, look at there. There was an opening spot right in front of the Walmart for them to park. Austin didn't want to go in to the Walmart to buy groceries. He says, how do you think people are going to look at me, you know, a homeless guy, they're going to look at me and, and be ashamed of me, and they're not going to want me in there. And Glenn said, you're with me. They're going to think a lot of you. You're with me. So they went in and got the groceries and, and things like that, put him up in the hotel, and he posted this. The only reason why I know about it because he posted this on this group message. And he wasn't looking for money for the kid, wasn't looking for help for the kid. All he wanted was the kid wants to work. Is anybody out there have a job for this kid? Because a homeless kid doesn't have a phone and he doesn't have an address. And employers are not going to hire you without a phone or an address. We got a response back from a car dealer or an auto dealer detailing shop that said, yeah, we'll give him a job. And he started that Monday before Christmas and worked a full day on Christmas Eve. This story kind of relates to this, but what I've got to tell you a little background about Glenn Lundy, the guy that helped us out, the general manager of the, large, the second largest dealership in the United States, who made a lot of money in the last few years. Twelve years ago, Glenn Lundy was homeless. He was homeless because he made some bad choices as a young man, and to the point he almost tried to commit suicide, but God wouldn't let him. God intervened in his life, and since then he's had six kids, uh, married, now he runs an inspirational thing. And that's not to say that you have to have such a terrible life to make something major changes in it. You guys are all out here great followers of God. But what I want to tell you in comparison to my story, to the prodigal son's story, first of all, here's some, some similarities. First of all, we have a prodigal son, Right? A boy who was homeless and lost because of his poor, poor choices in life. 
Have you ever been lost or strayed away from your faith or maybe fearful of what God is trying to tell you or what you're trying to do for God? Are you hungry in your faith? Maybe you need to find God's word and feed on it. We also have a loyal, loyal brother. Wait a minute. My story didn't have a loyal brother. You're right. But you know what? If you're that loyal, loyal brother who helps his father all the time, where, where are you at? Are you in a place where you're jealous of somebody else's success? Are you in a place that, you know, like that first song I sang, The Reckless Love of God. You know, God left the 99 sheep in a pasture to go find the lost one. What about the 99 sheep? Are you one of the 99? Are you one of the ones that, you know, hey God, how about us? You left us behind in the pasture, you know, to go find the lost one who, who did, did wrong. He knows he's supposed to stay here. If that's you... We need to be happy that the one that was lost is found. We need, we need to be with God, and we need to be saying, yes, he's back. We also have a son named Joel. In a story I shared, but there was no son in the story of the prodigal son. No son of God. But wait, there would be a son, right? Because God is God. Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Jesus was the one that was reading the parable to us in that gospel reading of Luke. So he is the son. You see, the son Jesus was bringing the parable to us. Jesus, who overlooks our past offenses, is there because he's, he's also the father. Joel, the kid in the, in the thing, his childlike faith talked to his dad into helping a kid, helping a guy. Because as adults, we're scared, we're afraid, we have fears that chi- children do not have. So, don't withhold mercy when you have the power to give it. Lastly, in the story, we have the father. Nick, show that uh, picture of Austin, please. That's Joel, and that's Austin. That's at Walmart. Those are the, you can tell, if you look into Austin's eye, look in the, in the child's eyes, can you see the little white specks? And if you look in Austin's eyes, all you can see is darkness. You know? In the story, we have the father. Go ahead and go to that next slide. That's Glenn Lundy with Austin. Glenn is not Austin's father. He's just a, he's a guy like us trying to help somebody out. But look at this picture and what do you see? Look in their eyes. See, I always say that I, the eyes can hold is the window to your soul. If you look into somebody's eyes closely, you can see God. You can see Austin's eyes now. They're no longer dark. They're no longer lost. But look at, look at the father's eyes. Look at Glenn's eyes. 
See, that is what God, I believe, will see in us. That beaming thing so that when you return to him, he will be so happy and rejoicing that he'll have eyes like that. You can see the tears in Glenn's eyes from beaming with happiness. You see, Glenn, like I said, was once homeless. But you know, in a way, God was once homeless. A week ago, when Jesus was born, he was born in a stable. So really, he didn't have a home at the time. What I'm asking you is, how can God work work through you today? Are we fearful? Are we lost? Are we content to maybe stay in the field like the 99 and wait for God to come back and lead us wherever he wants to lead us? Just staying amongst our own? Are we searching for that moment to be God's hands and feet? I'm going to ask uh, Scott to come up here and sing a song. I picked this song out because I think it fits this, and Brody's, Brody's going to help. And I, I thought it was kind of crazy when they're up there that you have a son and a father in this message as well as up here going to sing the song. But when I'm asking, you go ahead and start the music, Nick. If, if God was running after you today, would you run away from him? Or would you run to him? Please reflect as they sing this song to you. God, the great I am, 